Coming to you from the greatest city in the world, this is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Talk for Two. We are on location at the Soho Playhouse in New York City today. With today's guest is amazing Scottish comedian Daniel Schloss. Sloss has found enormous success in the UK at just 28 years of age. Now, he's taking America by storm with his brand of comedy. It has a particular twist to it. Those of you who have seen Sloss's two Netflix specials, Dark and Jigsaw, know exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, he credits those two Netflix shows for igniting his American popularity. Behind the harsh sense of humor lies a heartfelt message, and Sloss leaves his audiences thinking. Daniel's latest show, X, his 10th offering, just the letter, runs at the Soho Playhouse through February 24th. Afterwards, he will tour the show across North America with dates in L.A., Detroit, Boston, D.C., Vancouver, Portland, Spokane, and Seattle. I've been everywhere. For tickets, head over to danielsloss.com, D-A-N-I-E-L-S-L-O-S-S.com. Link in the description below. Daniel, welcome to Talk for Two. How are you, sir? I'm good, buddy. How are you? I'm not a yawning straight away. Terrible well, start. No, uh, no, 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 no. Because, what, two, three shows a night sometimes? It's amazing. Just two, two shows, yeah, yeah. Which didn't seem like that big a fucking undertaking back when it was about an hour long. <laughs> like two 90-minute shows is... Um, I, I mean, it's hard to fucking complain about because all I'm essentially complaining about working for three hours a day, yeah. which is obviously still much less than the average. Uh, but it's the most I've ever worked, so I'm tired. Now, the night I saw you, you had a seven and then a nine. Yeah. Now you're doing a five, and then what time is the second show? Five, a five, and a, five and a seven. So that's, I actually prefer these ones because it means the audiences are uh, less uh, rowdy uh, earlier on, and also it means I get to fucking finish earlier. <laughs> so it means I can, you know. Of course. Go home and chill. You don't find those five o'clock audiences to be odd? I find all American audiences <laughs> odd, man. It's. Um, it's, I, I love gigging in America, but it's, I don't know whether it's my crowd or Americans in general, but the gig etiquette is appalling over here. Yeah. I, uh, it blows my mind, which is weird, because it was, I, I, I can't remember who I was talking to the other night, but it was very interesting, was saying that like, Americans are genuinely, and I always say this, you are the friendliest people in the world, they really, really are. Even the states, the red states, obviously, being a liberal myself, when I go there, there, I disagree with people. They're still the friendliest people in the world. But on the same side, Americans are also the rudest audience members, which is weird for the Brits because we are the politest to your face, yeah. but the biggest cunts in general. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny. I, I kind of half lied. I, I, you mentioned you you make a laugh about Netflix when the house is sold out. You come out, you, you mutter. But you had an American following even before. I did, Netflix. I did, I did. And that's thanks to, you know, uh, Conan and... Uh, the people at Conan Cohen, um, obviously the internet and things. So yeah, co- doing all the Conan spots helped me get a bit of an American audience over here and then all the sort of stuff on YouTube as well. But not to the degree that it is now. I mean, you know, in previous years when we've been doing a run at the Soho Theatre, I'd be able to do, I'd do like five or six shows here and the Tuesdays, Wednesdays wouldn't be sold out and then, you know, the Thursdays, Friday, Saturdays would be bigger and eventually sold out as opposed to what it is now, you know, selling out. Three-week run. So, it's, yeah, Netflix, I, I appreciate the audience I had before, but I'm very much out to a new market now. It, was it shocking? Was it shocking just how concentrated it becomes almost immediately when something goes up on Netflix? Yeah, yeah. Like, it feels good, but it also is just part of it. It, it, feel, it feels irreversible. 
Yeah. Uh, which is not, it's not something I want to fucking reverse, but you just suddenly go, with the impact it's had, you know, four years ago, um, or three and a half years ago when I played Boston, I sold like 40 tickets over three shows. Uh, I had mm. to buy everyone in the audience drinks. And I just sold out the Wilbur Theatre, which I'm not getting in for another three weeks. It's like 800. So it's like, yeah, like it's, with that stuff, it's like, it's obviously so very cool and, um, you know, feels slightly fucking vindicating. But there is another part of it where it just goes, oh, we're at a new level now. Vindicating? And yeah, vindication, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, for years I've been saying I was fucking one of the best. Yeah. And, uh, and it was also because, you know, especially, not, not, as, not vindicating in America in the sense because, you know, with America, I got to start again. Like, I got to go, here's my Conan stuff, and then have the two Netflix specials. Whereas in the UK, I did. I had a bit of success when I was 18 and 19. Got a little bit of success early on, but back when I was, like, a shitter comedian. And then I made the conscious decision to not do as much television in the UK anymore because I wanted to... I, just, I didn't want to be a television-friendly comedian. I didn't want to be a family-friendly comic. I wanted to do the stuff I wanted to do. I wanted to do dark comedy. I want to talk about real things. Um, and so I stayed, stayed off television and spent three or four years just working on my fucking stand-up. And then I got good at stand-up, but, the, but in the UK, because I couldn't do any of that stand-up on television because it was dark, there was just a whole sort of, you know, for years and years and years, I was like, I've gotten really, really good at stand-up and nobody fucking knows. Yeah. And it was, you know, the people that come to my shows, I was like, every year, you know, I wrote a better show and I was so proud of it, but there was just like, nobody was sort of seeing it and you know it was just it was just me shouting being like I'm, I've gotten good and people have been like oh we're sure you have whereas <laughs> now with Netflix I can it's vindicating to go fucking I told you yeah it works it really really works you say you say in this show you don't think your sense of humor is that dark what's a dark sense of humor to you um for me a dark sense of humor is like a cruel one like I don't think I don't think my sense of humor is cruel for, like for me dark you know I'm trying to think of an example of the fucking dark comedy. I can't think of much. For me, it's, you know, the sort of people that would laugh while they fucking torture you. Like, fucking, some of the jokes the Nazis must have had. Yeah. For me, I go, that's fucking dark humor. Like, you're doing evil things, saying evil things, and you're meaning evil things, and, you know, you're getting jokes from all that. Whereas, just because you talk about something sensitive and something serious doesn't mean you're not taking it fucking seriously. Like, I've never understood people that sort of sit there and go, you know, uh, they'll go, if, you make, if you make the jokes about fucking... I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, they go, if you make jokes about disability, people go, do you find disability funny? And I go, no, I find jokes about disability funny. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you've literally, what, you, what part do you, how do you not differentiate that? Like, I don't, I do not find disability, well, I do find disability funny. That was a full shit, that was full of shit. That was a bad <laughs> example. Disability is very funny. But like, if people say, you know, cancer is never funny. Do you find cancer funny? No, but I find jokes about cancer funny because they're jokes about cancer. Those are two very different things. Laughing at something and laughing at jokes about them are two entirely separate constructs. Because jokes about, I am of the opinion that jokes about any tragedy, any disability, take the power away. Mm, every, yeah, they, they allow you to sort of, you know, it's, yeah, it takes the power away. It takes the sting and stops them having um, control over you for a brief sort of moment in time. I just, it blows my mind that people are so stupid that they'll hear you make a joke with the word cancer in it and they think that you're making fun of people with cancer. You go, I, I, I don't understand being that simple. Is it a uniquely American thing? No, absolutely not. No, no. Absolutely. Sensitivity to... Um, no, 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 definitely not. It's, 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 it's global. It's, um, I, I also think a lot of the time the sensitivity isn't as much as people fucking claim it is. It's yeah. just one of those things where, you know, the, 
the, the, the most annoyed are always the, the loudest, you know. Blogging and... and yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, which is why I tend to just, uh, you know, the controversy is only a controversy if you fucking pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. Like, the amount of people that's like, you know, people bring hot, you know, they defend themselves immediately if somebody calls them out for the, a horrible joke. I tend to just ignore any criticism because I don't <laughs> care. So, when you're writing mm. jokes and you're writing these one-man shows, these 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 wonderfully things, shows that come wonderfully around to a message, do you start with the thing that you want to drive home? Do you start no. with the jokes? Where where does it start for you? I've never, ever, ever intended in my life to write any of the shows I did. Like, it was, they were never, <laughs> Dark was never meant to be a fucking, you know, it wasn't meant to be something, it was meant to be a joke. You know, a, sh- a show about death that you tie together. And Jigsaw wasn't meant to be a show that broke up people. It wasn't even fucking meant to be a, you know, breakup show. My, la- uh, this show, you know, you know, wasn't meant to be about, you know, the Me Too movement, or or sexual assault. I just write, man. All all my shows are just four jokes. Mm-hmm. Each one of my shows is just four jokes to me. Um, for my first jo- this year's show in X, the joke is uh, I love kids. Uh, it's toxic masculinity, sex education. Sexual assault. Those are my four jokes. And yet you're able to get 80, 90 minutes out yeah. of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because they're all routines and stuff. But yeah, so the, you know, the, the way I get a show is I'll write a routine and then it'll start, off, it'll start as a two-minute routine, then it'll become a five-minute routine, then it'll become a 15-minute routine, and then sometimes it goes up to a 20-minute routine. And then once it's up to about 20 minutes and I feel like I've got everything out of it, I go, hey, well, that's, joke, that's that joke done. Then I'll work on another routine in the clubs and I'll get that until it's 15, 20, until it's a place where I'm going, now, okay, that's good. And then you get a third one. And, it's, and so once you've got three... 15 minute routines that's a 45 minute show you're pretty much fucking done you know it's funny you're sitting here I don't mean to make this about me because it's obviously about you but I write what maybe 6-7 questions but you find things out of it so I totally identify mm. with what you're saying because one thing leads to the next and that's how you craft a routine yeah it's just, you just need to you know, don't fucking don't plant, plant one seed and see how much it grows and then mm-hmm. you know the second it stops growing so you plant another seed you don't fucking Dust. So was it a natural ending that this got to ninety minutes, or could you? Are you at risk of going to two hours with? Oh, absolutely! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I understand. Like fucking, uh, I think one of the shows I did in London was like an hour and forty. Which even I'm like, all right, fucking sloth, shut your mouth. Like nobody, nobody's that interesting. Um, but it's always hard to, um, it's always hard to work out what to cut. Uh, especially with this show, it's been hard to sort of cut down because you know I. And I, and I know it's me because I'm the fucking artist. So I'm like, uh, to me, they're all my babies and I love them all. I reckon, you know, a good director would look at the show and go, I can trim 20 minutes of that. I know for a fact JP got Buck, the guy from Conan who helps edit my specials, I guarantee he'll be able to get the show down to a fucking hour because he managed to get Jigsaw down to an hour and he got Dark down to an hour. Um, they were both 90-minute shows as well. Um, I don't know. I just, I like the 90-minute fucking format except for the last 15 minutes where everyone starts going to the fucking toilet and you're like this is the serious bit and I yeah. need you all to sit still and you say that in this show and in the two shows on Netflix it's kind of you bleed into it but in this show it's very much comedy's over now we're going to be serious yeah what was that just natural or is that intentional because if the audiences have to get used to you even though they may have seen you on Netflix what's with that divide that maybe um, we don't see typically Oh, I don't think it's. I, I would never want it to be like comedy's over. I still, you know, I right. like. I, I like doing. I like making it more, not necessarily more difficult, but like, you know, there's power in silence, and yes. it's. It's also a good way to sort, of 
tra- train the audience with like just because just because it's quiet in the room does not mean I don't have control. Yeah. Like you've got to learn to be able to see. You know, people are uncomfortable with silences, so I'm going to make you comfortable with them. Right? Or or make you or you can just choose to be uncomfortable and sit in them and be, yeah. you know, confused for a bit. Um, I don't know. Uh, when I was writing this year's show, there was not a serious bit in it uh, until uh, until about a week before the festival when I decided to add in the serious bit because obviously the but it wasn't in, you know I never wrote this show to I've never written any fucking show to have a message. I think that that would be the worst way to write a fucking show is decide I'm the voice of this. I have something important to say. I'm going to say all my shows accidentally have that. What happens is I'll. Uh, make a bunch of jokes and then I'll start joking about something serious and of the second you start joking about something serious I can feel when the people are getting confused and they go is he joking and I have to then you know deconstruct it and explain I'm like this is why I'm talking about this and this is why it's okay to laugh at this you know laughing at something horrible does not make you a bad person and everyone needs to stop fucking thinking that you're allowed to laugh at morbid things that's what it was you know it's gallows humour it's as old as time it's what gets people through trauma a lot of the time and I um, and there's no shame in it, uh, and, and it's if anyone should be fucking ashamed of it, it's the people that don't don't understand it because they don't understand it, and they're trying to fucking get everyone else to stop because they're too stupid to understand their own grief. Complete agreement. I completely agree. You've been a stand-up since you were way young. Was there a moment? I mean, you you were a, a veteran comedian by the time most people are allowed, at least here in the states, to set foot in a comedy club because mm. of the drinking and all of that, you know, the, the restrictions. W- was there a moment where you said, okay, this is the career. This isn't just something I'm doing to piss away a weekend. This is, here I, we go. But I think pretty much straight away, like, I, I, you know, I, I wanted to be a silent comedian. I wanted it to be my fucking job. Like, I was, I was never just been like, oh, this is going to be a hobby. Like, mm-hmm. I, I would have been devastated had it, had it only ever become a hobby. I was like, I want to be a silent comedian. I'm fucking funny. I should be able to. Uh, do this. I, I wasn't necessarily fucking realistic, and I, because I was young, man. I didn't know how hard it was going to be. I didn't know, you know, that. I I think I just thought that yeah, you just become a comedian, then you become fucking successful, and um, whatever. So it, ne- it never occurred to me that uh, I wouldn't be doing as a job. Um, I'm obviously grateful that it is because I I now understand how, you know, lucky I've been, and. Um, I think ignorance, though, to the challenges of climbing the ladder and climbing the ranks, I think that makes people, oddly enough, climb a little bit faster. Oh, totally. Just, yeah, I feel like I, I, I lucked out like I didn't realise the stages I was at. and you know, Because uh, my career, as I've always said, is a healthy mix of, uh, you know, 90% luck and 10%, uh, 90% luck and 10% absolutely fucking nailing it. Did you ever, because the success was so swift, so young and so quickly, was there ever a moment where it was like, uh, I'm getting a little too big-headed here. Not that you are, but like oh, as a youth, you know, and that realization of, holy shit, I better be grateful for this because not everybody yeah, this. Yeah, the Stan Comedy Club in Edinburgh, which is the comedy club where I started out, I think I was about 20, 21, um, had a bit of success in the UK. I think I just had like my, the, the DVD deal over there. And I was like, yeah, I was it's not fucking peak fame, but like when I was 21, it was like the biggest I was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, apparently, I, I can't remember too much, but apparently I fucking was, was horrible. And the staff at the stand who'd seen me since I was 16, 17, properly took me aside and were like, just FYI, we all fucking hate you now. 
And I was like, well, they're like, you, they're like, you've become a real piece of work, a real piece of shit, and you're getting too big for your fucking boots. And uh, we just figured that we should be the ones to tell you this. And it broke my heart. Really? And I'm glad they did it. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and they were absolutely right to do it the way they fucking did. And uh, I'd like to, th- I mean, you'd have to ask them, but I'd like to think that since then I've become a bit more fucking manageable. <laughs> I think so too. Um, you're one of the most personable comedians I've ever met, I'll tell you that. You spent, what, 40 minutes out there after your second show mm. with the fans? Not even being a celebrity, just being a friend. Well, I think it's important with the, you know, I understand with the context of the show, uh, it, without giving too much away, I'm obviously speaking about the Me Too movement and sexual assault. Um, I'm always, I, I want the dialogue to remain open. Like, mm-hmm. you know, when I was writing this show, the way I made sure that I wasn't, you know, accidentally fucking offending people uh, just with choice of words and language selection and, and, and or, or missing the mark or stepping over um, some sort of lines was by talking to the women in the audience after the shows and being like, you know, any criticisms? Like, like because I, I don't care. If I intentionally offend someone, fucking excellent. That's exactly what I wanted to do. Vegans. Go, yeah, yep. achieved my goal, right? If I want to if I want to intentionally upset someone, I can, I will fucking do it. And yes, I feel pride because... If I want to upset you, it's because you've done something to upset me or you've upset one of my friends and I'll fucking destroy you. Uh, but accidentally upsetting people is not something I want to do. Like, you know, but it can happen. You choose the wrong word, like fucking even just small bits of language. You can uh, accidentally upset people. And yeah, sure, sometimes people are being overly sensitive. But then sometimes I get it wrong and I use the wrong words. And I like being called out c- correctly. Like a lot of... Most of the time, anyone's ever said to me, you know, you said this, and I, I took it as this. I'll, I'll, it's not an argument. I keep yeah. the discussion open. You know, I've spoken to many fucking survivors after the show, and they've told me their stories. And it's just, I, it's, it's how I make sure that I'm still on the right track with it. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, um, and also my fans give me weed. So, <laughs> so it's just a fucking great, I just stand outside and then. There um, you go. Good to meet you. Yeah. It's always just good when I'm ever in other countries, you know. I yeah. was, man, I love the fucking attention, man. I don't Anyone, I've never understood people that said these fucking celebrities are like success is humbling, because I'm not even a fucking A-list celebrity. And none of this is humbling. Like it's fucking yeah. Like it's my joy. I also think that keeps you. I think speaking to the fan keeps you fucking humble. Yeah. Like it's very very easy to, you know, walk out on stage in front of you know sometimes twelve hundred people and just suddenly go. I'm better than everyone here. I'm literally a god. And then after the show, just fucking talk to them and watch them make you laugh and be like, oh, the difference is confidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking of, um, I want to ask, I have two last questions. Like I said, we got to get this in under time because of the house. Um, it's been three, four years since you did Jigsaw. Mm. Anything change in your puzzle? Anything, anything of that philosophy that you offer in Jigsaw change? Um, I mean, it's always, <laughs> it was never meant to be a fucking philosophy piece, man. The amount of people that have online Twitter have been messing with me, like, having huge discussions about how much they fucking disagree with me. I've just been like, it's a fucking joke, man. Like, it's, I, I you know. No, but, but, but there's something real behind there is, it. There is, and it, there is, but the thing is, it's a joke and it's my opinion. So people are having full discussions underneath, like, dissecting. I'm like, yeah, you can dissect anyone's opinion. Like, I'm, there's probably stuff in Jigsaw that's wrong. But it's my opinion, it was my opinion at the time. And it's, at the moment, it's still what I believe. You know, it was never meant to be a... It's not, it's not, a, it's not a breakup show. It was just, you know, I'm, I've never said I was against love. I never said I was against relationships. Mm-hmm. I was just against the shit versions of them and the fucking lies. Um... I enjoyed being single. I, I was sick of being made to feel that I was the broken one for having fun and living my life. Um, 
ironically, I'm in a relationship now, and I'm very, I cannot wait for people to be, you know, call me a hypocrite, despite the fact that I wrote Jigsaw four fucking years ago, and I'm still very much of the same stance. It's, you know, it's a... Well, I hope you're happy. I, hope I am, man. It's great. And, and, this, and the second I'm not happy, I'll stick to my fucking philosophy and I'll leave it. But for the time being, she makes me very, very happy and I make her happy. So it still all fits in. But I'm very aware that people... It, it's, it's one of the weird things about the Netflix is this thing that you cre- create. You just watch other people go and take it in separate directions and you go... Because I'm now the fucking vegan hater. Whereas, you know, the whole point of the vegan routine is that I don't hate vegans. I'm admitting they're right. It's just Facebook vegans I hate. But it's now... You know, it's just very interesting to see how other people take what you said and you just suddenly go, oh God, I guess I have to be a bit more careful in the future. What's your advice, especially since you achieved success so young, to up-and-coming comedians that maybe one day want to be doing a, a show like this in a venue like this? Uh, do the Edinburgh fucking festival, man. It's the, old, it's the Do the Edinburgh festival. It's the cheap. It's the uh, Americans, You because do, you don't have this end of year festival you don't write a new hour every year americans because your circuit is so big you you know from what i can see you spend a year working on five minute routine and then you build up to a 10 then you build up to a 15 then you build up to a 20 and then you get a spot on conan or a late night show or whatever and then you burn five of the minutes and then you have to write another new five minutes and and you can tour and eventually you get up to a club set and so over the course of like 10 years you've maybe written anywhere between 30 and 50 minutes material whereas if you're a British comic, you write an hour a year, whether you like it or not, that's your job. And if you don't write an hour a year, congratulations. Does that not. lead to weaker material, though? Do you think... You tell me. I, I don't think so. Mm. I actually think it's the Americans that are lazy about their comedy because, like you said, the circuit is so big. So you can go perform in Wyoming and perform 90% mm. of jokes that people in Florida haven't heard. Jake's Jake you know. saw Dark uh, a two-year show ago, Now and uh, X, all were written in under a month. Amazing. Like it's if you just work, like um, you know, and when I say when I say done written, obviously they're still being written on stage. But like you know, I burn I burn the material, and I you know, maybe a month is a bit of an under oh fucking maybe three or four yeah. getting the material together, and then obviously it it's still X is still very much a work in progress. Well, not very much a work in progress. It's a is finished it, show, but it's still it's still improving. Is it just X because it's ten? It's yeah. the tenth one, because okay, yeah, that's what I figured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, well, Daniel, uh, I wish you all the success as you head out on tour and finish up this last week. We need more comedians like you and Hannah Gadsby, people that have something else behind the humor, and it is a real, real pleasure to have spoken with you today. And again, tickets are available at danielsloss.com. Links will be in the description box on talkfortwo.com. Signing off. I'm Matt Bailey. Reminding everyone out there to keep talking for a tale. You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at talkfor2.com.